0: Trade period done, Tom. What a whirlwind 36 hours that was to finish off. Uh, Lots of deals, lots of deals getting through. Here we are on 12 rows back to dissect just the ones we want to, really. Some of them were really insignificant with the old draft pick swaps, um, but we got some big ones. How would you rate your Saints? you happy with what they got done in the period?
1: Yeah, well, I guess after last week, after uh, we... We jointly called them uh, a destination club. It was good to see them get the deals done. A little slide out, but we got Jack Higgins through, a lifelong saint. So, geez, the vision of him celebrating rewalt, kicking a goal in the 9 prelim has gotten a real run. But uh, he's happy to be back. I think he'll uh, slot in nicely and obviously a bit, bit done earlier. And basically, we spent minimal and got it in. So, I'm happy we got players in. So, uh, I'm happy with that. You're happy with your ruse?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, No, we did a good bit of business north, a couple of little shrewd moves, probably got unders on Ben Brown, um, but, but moved, moved on a couple, couple that we, we should have and, and just got picks in so we can really start that rebuild. Um, a couple of pies in that right age bracket for, for where our list is heading and, uh, the doors open for Josh Kelly to join in 2021 free agency. <laughs>
1: Are you keen on that in our little uh, warm up? I, I was saying to you, it was it was interesting with the trade period. Geez, the old player A for player B sort of deal is is done. dead. They're dead. <laughs> it is dead. There is future fourths and third rounds in this draft, and there's that much squaring up since they brought in that point system. That yeah, you you can't just follow it and be like, oh, who, you know, where did. Cameron end up, did, where, what was the deal there is you have to dissect it like a surgeon in the, you know, the hours after and I, I, I know that there were deals that, yeah, I didn't see till the next day. I think there might have been some deadline issues, uh, I think, or was there a, a slight extension given, you know, there was some Zoom happening? I, I'm not sure the the mechanics, but I think it wasn't, uh, wasn't as hard a deadline as we've perhaps seen in previous years, I don't think.
0: Well, according to my correspondent, they just sort of changed it up a little bit because you had to have everything, normally you have to have the paperwork in and lodged, but everyone's at Eddie had or Marvel. And and this time around, it was all done online and they just decided, so long as you've emailed us and told us the deal will be coming, we'll give you an extension to sort the paperwork. And it's like, well, but the it's not as though the internet went out the day <laughs> of... The final day. the The rules were the same the whole trade period. Then they just decided to extend it. It's almost like Geelong just said, "Hey, we're just trying to get this Cameron deal through. Yeah. We're try- <laughs> desperately, Gil. We're desperately trying not to give up three first. Can you just give us some more time to really work on them?" Um, but I, I I don't know why the AFL did it, but look, they've turned they've turned the trade period into a real bit of theater in the last 24 hours I must admit I was not tuned in for the first 10 oh, hell, 10 days of so about the yeah, first about, yeah, 7 8 days, days and the last 2 days I was just watching frantically I knew that Cameron deal was going to get done I just was waiting to see what went through um, but let's let's talk winners and losers because that's what footy's about you got a team that wins and a team that loses and occasionally they draw and come back the next week um <laughs> Who was your big winner of the trade period?
1: Yeah, look, it, it's it's hard to go past the the doggies straight off the top. I know it's a, a glaringly obvious one. Uh, yeah, look, I've got a bit of rivalry with the dogs, so it's rare for me to give them a pat on the back, but I've got to in this case. I think they um, they smelt a bit of blood in the water uh, at Collingwood and just just swooped on Trelaw probably going as cheap as he'll ever be. And I say cheap given the deal, but also cheap given that you know. We don't know the exact figure, but the pie's forking out for some of that salary as well, which might is just a sweetener that they would dream of. You know, they added ruck depth, getting uh, big Stefan Martin in to help uh, Tim English. So that that was another good deal there. Um, basically, you know, Mitch Hannon, he's another one, little forward. He, he, he'll play for them. Um, he, he sneaks a game. You know, they added picks. I think they've got, oh, what is it here? 26, 33, 41, 42. So, you know, they, there's enough to... Uh, bit of capital if they might want to cash in in this little bit where you can trade picks and move their yeah, way up and
0: You've got to remember they they've got an academy kid. Um
1: yeah. Oh no, they, yeah, so no you are right. So they asked, well they're they to yeah, exactly use that's those
0: picks and more or less get the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, so um,
1: yeah, but that that's yeah, that's true. Um and that's another good bit of business just to get the picks in to get the points cuz he yeah, he We might uh, touch upon the draft in further uh, podcasts, but uh, I think they're going to get an absolute gun there. So um, wins all round, minimal spent. They've added Trelaw to their uh, midfield and, yeah, uh, Martin, as I said, to their ruck division. So, yeah, they just got a a completely new outlook going into 2021, I think. And if you're a Doggies fan, I'd be uh, very excited. So, yeah, look they had hard to not give them top marks for me. Who who yeah. did you like?
0: They've got and the the kid they're going to get, Jamara hagen Yes. I so looked the, that up. I knew it was a little hyphenated. I just couldn't quite remember. Um, but he, like, effectively he's going to go pick one. And, yes, compromise draft, but let's not – let's try and stay positive. I, look, this this – I was looking through it, and I 100% agree with you, Tom. The Dogs, big winners, big tick getting those players in. But I can't go past the Cats, who, despite having almost... They've got two picks in this year's draft, 51 and 96, and they sold the farm, if you will, for Jeremy Cameron. But they've brought in Jeremy Cameron, who might just be the best key forward in the comp. Isaac Smith, a three-time premiership player, elite wingman. And Sean Higgins, who is just oozes class, they've added them into the side that just lost the grand final. Um, yeah, that's fair. That that's, they well, like how are those ins? What is trade period about? Improving your list to win a premiership. They're in the window. They've yes, they've loaded up. They're going all in. In three years, it could be doom and gloom in Geelong. But if you get a flag for it, like. You, you you and I both know just how hard they are to win. You, oh, if you yeah, can absolutely. get one, you've got to go for it. And they did the right thing. Um, and look, the, there are two sides to the coin here. They've managed their list so well to be able to bring in Cameron in terms of salary cap. Yeah, and they, then you look just down the road in Melbourne, in Drury Collingwood, they effectively went all in and only really only had one crack at it in 2018. And now they've got a. They've had to offload Trelaw Stevenson, like they're just giving them away for cents on the dollar. But they, unfortunately, they've got themselves in a spot where they had to. Which brings me to the losers of the trade period, Tom. And
1: Well dare I say, should sure I am, Yeah.
0: Let's <laughs> throw Collingwood aside. We'll talk about them. Yeah, I was going to say a little uh, greater detail because obviously, uh, young Nathan has uh has made a bit of a fool of himself. So we'll dive into that. Um, outside of Collingwood, who was the big loser of the trade period?
1: Yeah, so just just looking at um, as you said, you know what you bring in and, and what you've got, I, I can't go past. I'm not, I wasn't happy with uh, the work over in WA from Frio. To be honest, I think they uh, they <laughs> they sat on their hands. Um, they really didn't. They didn't bring anyone in. Um, they didn't do a whole lot. They really just confirmed their mismanagement of the Hogan situation by sort of trading him out at a ridiculously cheap price. Just given that two years ago, you know, there was a, a, a top 10 pick, which we were talking about last week as, as being incredibly valuable. And they've, you know, two years later, they're, they're looking at, you know, some sort of fourth round pick for for Jesse. So that that left a bad taste for me. And then, you know, I don't think they really looked at changing anything up or, or bringing anything new. Maybe, I mean, they might be happy. I mean, Longmuir's selling his vision with the with the players he's got. Maybe he doesn't want any outsiders coming in, but yeah, was there a chance for them to bring in some seniority to a, to a uh, you know, a, a youngish group? I think they've got a bit of the old and the young, not a whole lot in the middle. So was there a chance to just bring in, you know, some of these veterans that were flying around or, or put their hand up for... For somebody, I mean, yeah, I saw sort of withered and um, go over to West Coast just uh, across, uh, you know, over there in WA. And, you know, would he have been a good pickup? So, um, yeah, look, not the best from Freo. I think we also tend to put the quiet teams, uh, mark them down because, you know, there is this is your chance to get involved and and shake things up. So, um, yeah, Freo for me, Um, your your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, look. The Jesse Hogan experiment over there has turned out very poorly for them. Um, Whether or not they did their due diligence and it just didn't uncover the issues he was having, but I think Melbourne knew there were some personal issues going on there and and to give up the farm and then send him out for so little return isn't great. Um, But I think the thing you've got to remember is they've had such a good year in terms of development first year under Justin Longmuir, they've done a lot of things right this year without winning a stack of games. And I think they know what they've got on their list and they just want to consolidate, bring some more younger players in through the draft um, and not worry too much about, uh, I think bringing in some of those older veterans who are, you got to remember, most of the time they're leaving for a reason. They're not up to, not so much they're not yeah, up to look, the standard, but I'd they do it. things that aren't, Great. They've got flaws in their game, so um, I, I look the Hogan deal aside. Standing pat is not necessarily such a bad thing for mine. Um, I had look through no fault of their own. I think GWS had an awful trade period because they've lost Cameron. And they've got all these. They, I think they really love the optics of getting three first-round picks for him. But if you come down and just look at what Picks they got. Um, what was it? 13, 15, yeah, and 20? 15, and 20.
1: Which, yeah, I, I agree with you. though Those picks are very glorified firsts. I mean, with the academies and the picks, they're probably going to slide into the 20. Well, one is 20. They're going to slide way deeper than that. So, it's yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, so as it stands, i have got seconds, 10, really. 13,
0: 15, and 20. And that's going to become, I reckon, anywhere, like 12, 15, 17, 22. Um, and their issue is they're gonna get these kids and in six years they're gonna if if they draft well, in six years we're gonna be like, Oh like the Saints will be trying to stay in that premiership window Tom and they'll go, Oh yeah, no, we'll pay him. We'll pay him, send him down here and we'll give up our first round pick. So um I, I, I don't know if there was an answer as to what they could have done. Um I think I think bringing in Hogan for the price they gave was good. Um, Bruce will be a good player for them, albeit he's very unproven and just is a big body. Um, and I know in the AFL, a lot of the times we get caught up in their size and they're big and strong. And, and sometimes with these ruckmen, they are dopey, Tom. They are dopey and they're not well, great they footballers. Uh,
1: <laughs> They've shown a tendency to go for the, the big, big Ruckman you know, your Mumford, Jacobs, you know, the, the monsters, I guess, the old school throwbacks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, look, I, I just—it's not so much their fault. Cameron left. I think they did everything they could. It was just a yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they and, uh, um, the go home factor. Geelong have just sold the lifestyle so well. Um, so let let's let's go to Collingwood. You might call it low hanging fruit, but I think everyone loves <laughs> a little dig at Collingwood. But look, the reality is they have had a tra- a terrible 48 hours in the lo- the end of that trade period and then the media handling of the fallout of that trade period which absolutely surprises me because Eddie Maguire is a master manipulator when it comes to the media. Well yeah,
1: I yeah, I agree with you and he's been poor. one of the quietest voices of the lot to be honest at this point, hasn't he?
0: Absolutely. So they gave up they gave up Trelaw from what we understand he's on about 900 they're paying 300 of that for the dogs so they've yeah, given
1: yeah over 5 years too wasn't it it was an extended period or a... yeah. yeah so they've just you know, they
0: just extended him i think 6 years last year yeah
1: um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, the, that's the the shocking part of it all is yeah a, a bloke you know that, that they've extended i mean he at the time when they picked him you know was Collingwood or richmond he's committed to the pies he he you know loves black and white yes we have heard maybe his side a little bit more louder, but um, I haven't sort of heard anything on the on the contrary to say that, you know, the real reasoning behind it from, from Collingwood as a club's point of view, I, I don't know if they've been fully transparent with that.
0: No, the, well, they haven't been transparent, but you can see the writing on the wall because he's gone, Phillips is gone to Hawthorne with Collingwood paying a portion of the salary. um. Jaden Stevenson's a rising star, and he's now been traded. Yeah, two, two years
1: out too. Not just rising star on his resume, like recently rising star. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. He wasn't a, yeah. wasn't a
0: Norwich rising star, and uh, yeah, still exactly. on the list. <laughs> um, yeah, and for a second round pick, look, that's all North gave up for him, and they're now they've now got effectively four hundred and fifty k in dead cap money for the next two years. But it was better to them. They needed that rather than having. It's about well, one that's point. That's right. Well, it's almost two million dollars. Correct. It, so like nine hundred plus yeah. five hundred for Phillips. Plus, we think Stevenson was going to be about four to five hundred. There, like. So that's, that's a bad lot bad for they're those growing. three players. That, they, they've oh no, just so. terribly planned, and they seem to think, "Oh, we went all in in twenty eighteen, and and this is just the fallout." But what what they haven't done is communicated it well with the players and they tried ever so hard to let um, Adam Trelaw's partner signing with the Gold Coast be an out. And they just wanted him to say, oh, sorry, she signed up there. I just have to go. And it's like, think about it. She signed a one-year contract in the netball and I'm not saying, not comparing the sports, but I'm pretty sure the season doesn't run as long as it intensely as an AFL season, which starts pre-season starts normally now and runs all the way through till September. It's a much more condensed period. And she signed a one-year deal after having a baby. He's got five years left. Um, they just read the room terribly in that sense. And um, they they really hoped he was going to give them an out and just say, I want out. I want to get up there, um, you know, and, yeah. and pay, pay me, you know, work it out from that front. Um." And it just, it did not pan out at all for them. And then they were backtracking, backpedaling. And they tried to run with the second language of football. They tried to lie. They tried to lie their way through it. And it's just blown up in their face.
1: Yeah, that's right. I I, um, saw um, an interview, Fox Footy, uh, right after the trade period, which, which was a bit bizarre to me. I don't know if it was just because it was so out there, we'd never seen anything like it. But I was very surprised to see, you know, Ned Guy straight up there. Um, straight after trade period, maybe Fox footy had the call on who they wanted to talk to. He obviously was top of the list, but he'd obviously had the media manager in the year saying, look, don't say anything, just say that we wanted to get more talent in the draft. And he just trotted that line to the point where he was sort of politician styled, not really answering the question. I do feel a little sorry for him. I guess there was work, um, you know, before, I guess you could say his era, you sort of see the Wells deal, the Chris Main deal, Mason Cox on big money, Ben Reed on big money. Obviously, the Dame Beams was one of the, you know, sort of the straw that broke the camel's back with this one, and it's just snowballed into this year. So, I, I don't know even if they had an opportunity to sort of spread the pain, but I feel like they've just sort of seen an, an open wound and how bad can this get, and they've, they've just gone it. Because this is... You know we've had losers in a trade period. You know with a, with hindsight, but have we ever had one come out of it this bad at this point of you know right after the trade period? They they got absolutely barreled the the pies. You sort of saw you know he said she said sort of stuff when Stephenson came out and said you know only bucksers talk to me, and then you know uh, I think it was Jeff Walsh the next day saying oh, I can't sit there and cop that. You know he's giving little backhanders, Stephenson you know Stephenson with his brief form in his first year you know it's just it's not professional is it at the moment from from Collingwood and yeah like we said off the top I, I think Eddie has probably been too quiet by his standards on this front and I'm not sure why that's the case either I feel like Bucks is copying a lot of the heat as he should as a coach but is some of this not in his hands fully I mean you know he's not he has an input but he, it is it is a team effort I guess at that recruitment I guess when recruiting goes well recruiters get the pats on the back so I feel yeah Bucks he he's just in the middle of this it's just a it's just a shambles at the moment it's just a mess where however you look at it I can't think of really things that have been done right at, at, at the whole process I mean we talked about this as well a few weeks back where there's smoke there's a fire and that proved to be uh to be correct
0: absolutely now there's two things I want to say. Firstly, to the Collingwood supporters, it's this is just a general rule of thumb. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. So, despite the fact everyone's piling in, there's two elements to that. Everyone loves to pile in on Collingwood, and the more media, the more the media talks about it, the more they get ratings. So, it's just natural to talk about Collingwood. I can vouch for that. That's what we're doing. Yeah, right I, now on our own I put podcast. My hand, Tom, put my hand up too. Yes, um, we're doing it. And, like. Adam is a great heart and soul player, but he's not a generational midfielder. Buckley, um, Swan, Judd, Ablett. He's not in that class. So him him going out, not as big a deal as, say, Judd leaving West Coast. Like, not not the same stratosphere. Stevenson, great young forward, great talent. You can find players to play that role. Like, they found Brodie Meyerczyk playing in the VFL. Not the not comparing the two, but he can come in and play a role. And he sort of, if he wasn't there, they would have definitely kept Stevenson to be that third sort of, he's a mid, I guess he's sort of a small forward, but can play mid, uh, mid mid-sized forward and all that sort of stuff. Um, Where I think you're a little bit wrong, Tom, is I think Buckley has a much bigger hand in this than you you, you sort of mentioned there. I think categorically Buckley has final say on who's coming in and who's going out. And Yeah, I'm, look, yeah, that, I'm speculating that is true, here. I guess. I'm speculating, but Buckley is the coach. He wants the best players. Yep, bring him in, bring him in. Oh, yep, pay him. Oh, look, you have to pay an extra 100 Just pay him, pay him, bring him in. I want him, I want him. The list managers sort out the contracts, but Buckley just wants all these players in, and we keep bringing him, we keep bringing him in, and here we are. Here we are. We can't bring him in, Bucks. We've actually got to get rid of them, and we're going to need you to sort of help. Now, on November 2nd, Buckley tweeted, I think this is in response to either Sam, Sammy Edmund or Sam McClure, but he said, absolute fact in quotation marks, news to me, Sam. The constant rumor and innuendo is disrespectful to Adam, the club, and our supporters. We'll continue to communicate directly, directly and sensitively with ads and his management. FYI, our leaders don't sit on list management. It's not their job. That's what he tweeted, Nathan Buckley, November 2nd. now what's come out since then what's come out since then Uh, well Trelaw sort of said they haven't communicated with me at all Um, Buckley's according to Trelaw, Buckley has said some of the leaders don't think you run hard enough defensively you've let them down except here he's saying the leaders don't sit on list management but now they've said it so they've asked him to leave like Buckley has just hes absolutely tried to play it, play everyone. And then on November 12th, my toughest day in footy bar none. Managing contracted players who love the environment is a lose-lose situation. Um, Their decisions aren't popular, but they were necessary. Don't do the first tweet. I I 100% see how they got... They mismanaged it and they got themselves into this position, but they just had to come up and be up front and say, look, we've got a cap squeeze. Adam's on big money. We just thought he might want to, he might have wanted a fresh start up north. that didn't eventuate. We needed to do this to make sure we could keep our list moving forward without imploding. It all just had to be something as simple as that um, and and like it was a lose-lose situation, but you get yourselves to this point, and it's footy. It's a business.
1: Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I'm, I'm listening to it all and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, is there someone here sort of tapping Bucks on the shoulder going, oh, maybe maybe let's not tweet that or maybe let's let's just have a think about what we're going to put out there or, you know, if, if he's, you know, he sort of, just, it feels to me from the outside looking in and I'll fully admit that, that he's, uh, you know, obviously he's the golden child with Eddie and he's sort of calling the shots as he sees fit uh saying what he wants when he wants um you know is is there some sort of senior figure there just you know pull your head in or let's settle down or or this is going to be bad let's bunk it down like they're just it it you can feel a disconnect even from the outside so um yeah look yeah i take i take your point though but yeah it it is interesting i guess um yeah that that one about the you know whether. Who calls the shots with the players? I, I, I mean, maybe we get uh, our mate Liam back on from Geelong, and I'm sure Chris Scott has an input, but dare I say, Wellesley might uh, have a fair opinion there too. So is that? But that's a well-run, that's, a, that's well-run a example. Situation. You know, Buckley's the, a favourite son. Yeah. If I'm
0: Buckley, I'm walking in, Eddie. I want to, I want I want to run it. I want to run it all. And, and, and,
1: and he said yes so Buckley's just it's a yes man yeah. situation he's getting nothing but yeses so that's yep. not a good yep. I professional environment thinks,
0: I think that's how they got into that situation with the contracts Buckley said I want this player I want that player I want him I want bring him in bring him in bring him in and they did their best and it just got to a point where the cap there's too much money in there and then because of COVID it's probably going to drop or not go up the way they projected and they've got themselves in this situation uh, which is unfortunate now Few other deals that got done. Nick Hine got to the Bombers.
1: Yeah, just just sort of I throw that one in. Good good get for them. He um, showed plenty for the Saints. I think interesting one just because uh, we drafted him from the Bombers VFL unit. So dare I say he should have always been a Bomber. Um, We just took the chance on him. He he proved it. You know he he can play at the level. Uh, He's just looking for his consistency there. So, a bit, bit of pace for the Bombers, given they lost Sard and McKenna. So, he should see a bit there. And, um, you know, the Saints sort of looked at, at that um, forward half of the ground and, and got Jack Higgins in. So, I'm going to be interested in seeing uh, how he finds the midfield, really. Because I know we, we sort of have a few of those small forwards, so how he fits in, that'll be interesting. But I sort of want him to be that damaging, attacking forward slash mid. So... That that they were a couple that jumped out at me from a personal point of view, but I also you mentioned it before the Tom Phillips deal to the Hawks. They just have got Graham right. He must work his magic there at the Hawks because he just seems to get these crazy cheap deals for the Hawks. They got so Phillips at sixty five and a couple of others, and then you sort of think John O'Patton, Tom Scully. I mean, no, they're not at their peak performance and. The, the jury's still out on them, but geez, you, you couldn't ask for a better price to take a chance on players like that. And I just haven't seen clubs do it as consistently as the Hawks. So, I, I was sort of shocked. It's one of those deals where you you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, why do my club sort of look at that? So, <laughs> I, I did feel that one with uh, the Tom Phillips to the Hawks, but yeah, given that was part of the uh, Collingwood fire sale, maybe that, that that's uh, involved there. Um, Going again, another another cheapy Alex Witherden to the Eagles. Just a good bit of business from them. Nice um, ball accumulator down in the half back line, and and he'll be ideal for them. He, he'll play. I mean, is that a kind of I want to say list clogging? But does Birchall take a spot where Witherden should have pushed through and, and, and got his chance and really showed as, as the going for Birchall's experience cost them there, probably has. so.
0: Well, it, if it, you say to me, if you said to me off air that are the Lions in danger of becoming having a reputation they can't win finals, do you not think the value of the experience that Birchall brings is a lot more valuable than just a... Like, he's not an out-and-out out star. He's a run-of-the-mill player with it and like, doesn't Birchall bring more to the table?
1: Well, yeah, look, you could argue that. I I, I, I I'd think if I'm coaching the Lions, I I probably would favour with it. And I think he showed enough form in in his, you know, his brief stint, but, it, you know, coming through. But, yeah, look, they really were set on this Luke Hodge half-back um, experiment and they've been able to continue it. So I'll give them that. But, yeah, look, whether they need that, uh, you know, that hit of youth, I guess. Birchall's a bit of the, you know, we're going to strike now. So, look, if that's how they're thinking, then that's fine. But... I, I tend to favour, you know, this up-and-coming youngster if he's shown what he's showed in his few yeah, you know, I think three or f- three or maybe four or five pushing through. Um, you know, he was sort of one of the best up there with the uh, upcoming kicks-off half-back. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure why they just... Well, they let, they let him go cheaply. Maybe that's why I'm um, arcing up a little bit about it. I just thought it was... If he can't
0: get a game over Birchall, who's coming off an injury... At Haw- like, he couldn't get it on the park at Hawthorne. And he's what how old Birchall? 52.
1: Yeah, but does does Birchall get picked for for the leadership on field or does he get picked for his talent at the moment at this point?
0: It could be the so leadership on field, but if he can bring that that with it and can't, then the value in a team playing a final, especially a young team, is that's invaluable. It's worth a hell of a lot more than what Witherden can do.
1: Yeah, well in in, you know, in the season to come or the season gone, but I'm thinking Witherden might have 10 years in him and he might eventually become that player. So, look, it's the old recruiting. We could look at the Cats recruiting. I mean, they've gone absolutely all in on the talent. I mean, we're not going to know if that hits uh, until, you know, a few years down the track, but, geez, they would want it to hit to segue into the next one with, uh, as we spoke about Cameron... Higgins yeah. and Smith to the Cats. I had in my notes the Cats are dinosaurs because they officially are. They fielded some of the <laughs> oldest teams we've seen uh, in the history of the game and they just got older. So, look, I love what they did as well. I'm with you. Fantastic work. But, yeah, now you have to win a flag. It's flag or fail. So, that that's good for the Cats, though. I, I, I would... They had one hand on the cup. So, um, you know, they've, they couldn't have added more talent. So... It's over to them now to do the rest. Uh, Wells, I want to know your- Wells
0: is sitting at the table, Tom. This is how that went down. He's sitting at the table. And you know how like, you've got your time. And it's come down to the end of trade time. And he's, he's watching. He's, he's playing poker. He's watching him. Just watching him. And he's in tournaments, he can ask for extra time. And he's asked for extra time. And that's how they've got the email through. And then he's just gone with his chips. He's gone all in. Yeah, <laughs> pushed all his chips in the middle of the table here. Um, he might just be retiring in two years, Wellesley, and couldn't give a stuff about the list after that.
1: Yeah, well, if, if that's go out with the flag, the motto, and then, then sorry, lads. Yeah, look, uh, they, that seems <laughs> feels like that is the case. But look, if if we're sitting here <laughs> next year and they've won the flag, then it doesn't matter. So look, it if, does not. They are hard yeah. to win. Exactly. And look, yeah, as we said, they, they were bloody close. So, you know, they've added three quality quality units. So look, that that's going to be their uh, narrative going forward. So we're going to cover that. But I, I wanted to just talk to you about the Ben Brown deal and just how it sat with you. Was it a little bit unders for your liking?
0: Uh, that, oh, it's unders for a player that had three years kicking more than 60 goals in the modern era, but he wanted to go. That's fine. If you want to go, you want to go. Um, there was no value in us keeping him from there. Second round pick, just move him on. Like, um, it may come out that there's something wrong with his knee or, or something like that that other clubs didn't know about. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure Melbourne have done a medical and all that sort of stuff. But look, pl- clubs have the in- clubs with the player have the inside track on it. Um, I just find it ironic that. He struggled this year because North couldn't kick the ball inside 50 and he's gone to a club that had (laughs) problems kicking the ball to teammates inside 50. Problem's
1: Um, probably the nicest way you could have said that based on our off-air talking. Melbourne's kicking isn't high on your list of things you want to watch, is it?
0: We had not had this discussion. (laughs) When did I say that? I wouldn't watch... No, I, I don't watch much of Melbourne. Um... I will watch them next year just to see. I'd love to see Benny Brown go well. Like he, like players like that, you can build a club around. And things just went sour. Covid happened. Like it just wasn't going to work for us as a collective. Him and us in the North Melbourne family. So you get something for him and move him on. Like that's just what you do. Look, yeah, Um,
1: you you did the best that you could in the situation. I I would have thought. Yeah, um,
0: I think if we held on to him and he had a poor season next year, and everything got bad, it's bad in the locker room. You're not getting as much next year. He's a year older. He's not worth like it. Just all yeah, he's gets not getting worse younger, and worse. Yeah. Whereas him kicking hundred goals next year isn't going to change oh, the fortunes it. of our club. Like, uh, we, 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 how many do you think we're going to win next year? Five, four, seven. Yeah,
1: I, w- I would have said maybe twelve, f- three or four
0: that's harsh but
1: well we don't know that, like it could that's be a the general 18 but that, round season that could that's the it.
0: general consensus of, of where north's at right so keeping a 28 year old key forward who is limited in what he can do on the football field isn't going to change your fortunes he's not a that big of a change game changer for your club so um, no, I've true got, you know, i think with with having him off the list um
1: Look, yeah. I, I do think it's, it was, I just think, yeah, as you said, you know, a few of those factors, it, it was really unlucky. I mean, yeah, look, if you were going to leave, you wanted to cash him out high. And unfortunately, I think you probably cashed him out a lot lower than you thought. Um, but look, you can only do the best in the situation. Um, I want to talk about just one that, you know, this, this wasn't a high profile one, but I was interested to see uh, Aliyah Aliyah head over to Port Adelaide. Um Just an interesting bit of business for them that they've gone hard for a key position backman when they just let Dougal Howard walk out of the lineup uh, this time last year. So, maybe, yeah, I think it was just, I took something from it as a Saints fan in that we did a good bit of business there because we took something that they obviously think that they still need. So... Um, it, it look it was good for Port to get him. Um, I think Sydney put a ton of development into him, and and Port maybe are just thinking they can sit back and enjoy the fruits of that. But um, yeah, that, that was a funny one to me to see Port Adelaide sort of pat it on the back for a deal that you know they probably wouldn't have had to do. Sorry if uh, you know the Saints didn't come knocking last year. Destination Club. I want to go back to your uh, North Melbourne. And I'm just interested in just a couple of updates on a couple of the names that have bobbed up for your head coach role. So that's that's still to be filled um, and the panel's still working through that one, but you've got a couple of names for me that are in the mix.
0: Well, David Noble is one that's been bouncing up, although from what I understand in interviews, he said he wasn't interested in coaching. Um, he's more interested in sort of the... the CEO sort of level positions at clubs, and that's where his long-term future is. Um, Daniel Gian Siracusa, his name has popped up. I've seen people clamouring for us not to go after a first-time coach again. Um, And I actually hadn't heard this one, but you threw up uh, a well-known St Kilda midfielder, Bob Harvey.
1: Yeah, well, just uh, the famous name at uh, North Melbourne, Harvey with Shane and... um... What was the other guy's name uh, brent uh up, up there but yeah bob, bob harvey uh throwing his hat into the ring potentially that one um just just an interesting one i'm not saying we we talked about collingwood i don't think it's you know um halves jumping off a sinking ship there i just think he genuinely wants a gig i think he he's gone for the saints role a couple of times and been knocked back um he's an assistant coach of the year as much as you you sort of give that award kudos but you know he he has done a fair apprenticeship he's he's been at collingwood and they've made a lot of finals um over the last i guess five to six plus years so um yeah he's a name that sort of bobs up there and look it'd be interesting i think yeah he is another one in that category you did point out with gia that you know a first time coach but um it might he's, be had maybe a, he's had a lot
0: more experience in the assistant coaching yeah. works,
1: though. He, yeah, exactly, and he's seen it. But yeah, I'm interested with the David Noble as well, whether or not you pair a Noble with a Harvey and sort of get oh. get what you had at Brisbane with Fagan and Noble, um, you know, look, sort of looking after each other and a bit of that stability. Um, oh, I thought yeah, you were look, say you sound...
0: with a transition plan like the Bombers. No, like, no, I'm, nah, I'm definitely. I hope I we don't, don't do think... something like that. <laughs> yeah. You don't need. It's not that. going well. Not going well. Yeah.
1: Look, I think he'd be be great halves, but yeah, I I did see his name uh, thrown into the mix, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. I think, look, I I can't put a time limit on it, but do you think you'll have someone in there before the draft?
0: Yeah, I think we said by the end of next week um, we should have someone lined up, which, yeah, I think it's key to have them before the draft, but I would have said it's key to have them before trade period, and then we did what is known as good business, apparently, in the trade period, so...
1: Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, you, how far do you stretch it? I think, you know, you want somebody in there that's running the pre-season program and getting, you know, that, that started and just changing, you know, the, not changing, just building something at your club. So, yeah, look, let's, let's see how that one pans out as we go forward. Now, you...
0: I've actually, I've got a question for you. I want to ask you something. Oh, yeah. uh, it's been yeah. something that I've been thinking about and we've used the term a few times on this podcast, both yourself and myself, and when it comes to trade time, people like to say it's good business. It's, it's, it's good yeah. business. Like, yeah, good business. The dogs getting Trelaw, that was good business.
1: That was good
0: business. North Melbourne trading for Stevenson, good bit of business that. That, that, that yeah, keeps popping yeah. up. Now, why is it acceptable for the media and everyone to say that? But then if you ever dare question a player's loyalty or the player says, I don't want to play here, we tear them to shreds for not being loyal. They're just, they're just doing their business. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Clubs can do <laughs> good little, business, but yeah. players
0: can't. Explain that to me, please.
1: Yeah. Look, that that you have discovered a, an AFL one-way street. I think uh, I don't know why it is only that way. Um, maybe it's just easier to report that way. It's a bit snappier. It just sounds better. I think um, maybe it's just something that they're not taught in the media management of players and, and, you know, it's not part of really our industry to hear um, players sort of talk about them leaving until after they've actually done it. So, um, and I think, yeah, maybe players are scared if they did say that, that it would, you know, particularly given it it's not really... I'm sorry, to word what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking at the NRL where players know that they're going to go before they've actually done it. They play games for the club and then leave at the end of the year having played half a year knowing they were going but we don't really have that as part of our industry at the moment so it's probably tied to that I think players don't want to say this is good business I think it's just bad optics as you said before the word optics Um, for a player to just say oh this this is just good business I, I don't think as an AFL industry we like players talking about it that way because the players play and they are something that we feel as fans as well No, uh, we own
0: the players do we?
1: Well, yeah, there is a sense of ownership. That's fair, yeah. So, yeah, look, that, I'm just trying to word out uh, how I, what I think about it. But, yeah, yeah Cause, cause it's a I would say,
0: one. I would say Jeremy Cameron getting out of the Giants was good business for Jeremy Cameron. I would say yeah, that's good oh, business absolutely. for him. Never heard the term said about him. The term was yeah, always well, yeah. about clubs doing shrewd deals. Like the Hawks did good business getting Tom Phillips. That's good business, Tom. That's great business. But players do it. Oh, he's unloyal. He's just trying to jump off. Tom Boyd coming to the Dogs, getting out of GWS. That was good business for Tom, wasn't it? But we crucified him. He made six million bucks over twenty odd games. Like we crucified him for it. That was genius business. I want that business.
1: Yeah, look, yeah, I I take your point, but yeah, it it does go back to that. (sighs) I guess, yeah, we we you know we don't have that ownership of a club as we sometimes might with a player i think you know you you develop a different type of relationship with the players on the field to your club as a whole they, they are different so whether or not it's just you can't come out and say certain things with the other i think that that makes it the one-way street so yeah look i i wouldn't mind look it let's see going forward but i wouldn't mind seeing a few more players coming out and, and saying um you know the deal was just good business, but yeah, I don't think we'll see it. We won't. While the we won't. In... Yeah, we, we won't. won't
0: see it at all. um I got a few little twenty twenty stats for you, sort of our stat oh, of the, always enjoy the these. season gone into the stat um, of the week. Did the you know North Melbourne were the highest scoring team of twenty twenty?
1: Highest in total, or they had the highest total game?
0: Highest individual game score. Yeah, highest individual game against it's the nice Crows.
1: Little, that's that's firepower that you can take into twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was a great day. Um, there were only... Let me count one two. There were only about 13 scores over 100 points this year, which is obviously shorter quarters, makes it a bit trickier. Um, Port Adelaide had the highest winning margin of 75 points. Made sense on top of the ladder. North Melbourne had the second highest winning margin of 69 points. I'm Police talking single against- game.
1: Cool. both against Adelaide those games? Uh,
0: yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um did you know Brisbane were seven and zip in games decided by less than 18 points?
1: Now there is a good one. That that's interesting. So does their win loss on and their position on the ladder flatter them I guess. Can you picture them doing a seven zip season again? That that doesn't often happen.
0: Yeah, especially when you get down to the 1 to 6. They were 3 and 0 oh, like that there's a yeah, little bit of luck involved on those games where all the other teams have to do get it down the other end and score um yeah yeah there's some few,
1: a few home ground advantages i'm sure in there as well so it'll be interesting to the lines based on that do they win you know those close games when they're down here in melbourne playing a victorian team or over in the west uh i think they might have had a few of those at the gabba so that might have helped as well yeah, so yeah I look reckon... that
0: that's one for the lines going forward absolutely i reckon a few were at home look it definitely helps but i probably don't need to tell you that the victorian clubs have a slight advantage in that uh yeah. <laughs> in that regard
1: but we almost got through an F without it coming up no, no I'm joking <laughs> no,
0: no chance we were not going go. <laughs> no chance at all um do you know the player that had the most clangers this season
1: Oh, that's that's a good question. I'm thinking some sort of ruckman might might be up there for that or someone who Norm Smith
0: medalist of... Dustin Martin had eighty two.
1: Jeez. Dusty. Yep. Does get a lot of it, but he I guess he can try things that well, others can't and they don't it, all come off, obviously.
0: <laughs> see, he played in twenty games. The person who was second played in seventeen and is a former Brownlow medalist. Do you know who it is?
1: Oh, good question. I'm trying to think. No, Te- help me out.
0: Teammate of his, Trent Cochin. Four point four
1: one playing <laughs> as <clangers> a game. <laughs> That's why you Oh, there you go. So couple of couple of the Richmond's upper echelon. I mean, maybe is it their game style too, you know, with the way they play. But yeah, look, I'm surprised to hear Coch up there. Dusty maybe just because he gets a lot of the the ball and yeah, he could try things that others can't. Obviously, yeah, not getting away with it. That's interesting, that one.
0: Yeah. I um I had I found that very interesting. Um Tom Hawkins had the most marks inside fifty at seventy five. The next highest was Jack Rewalt at forty five.
1: That stuns me because I most would obvious like most would admit I don't think Jack had an outstanding year, but that is a High value stat in our game, that one, and to yeah. come second, that's a fair effort. I mean, the gap obviously is pretty large, but yeah, you, you the can only the gap is exactly
0: a Max or a Ben King who both had thirty.
1: Well, that's pretty impressive from Max in his first season, that, and even from Ben in his second. That is yeah. great form from the youngsters ben. to be up with the elite of the comp at this
0: yeah. stat. Ben, this, you know, ben played pencil. one game less, so he averages slightly more, but that's neither here nor there. You there. Do you know had the most goal assists this season?
1: Assists, He's a player well,
0: that you might think is all me, me, me. Paddy,
1: Paddy, Paddy Dangerfield. Dangerfield,
0: twenty-one. There Tom Hawkins go. had twenty-one as well. Um, so
1: he didn't win outright. Just a nice little tie there. Nah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying yeah, to They tied. That. Nah, they tied. Good, good effort from Paddy. Yeah,
0: help his each other. Team out.
1: player. Now he just needs yeah. to just involve his club when he when he does that. Bring his bring his teammates with him.
0: Yeah, now most marks in a game was fourteen. There were four players that did this. Do you want to have a stab at them? At who they
1: 14. are? Fourteen. Uh I'll go Jeremy Jeremy McGovern probably no. had a game where he got off the chain, no? No.
0: All Victorian uh, clubs.
1: All Victorian clubs. Darcy Moore for the pies. I'm picking Backman here. Am I am I off picking Backman with their intercepting no, these days? No. Uh
0: three of them are Backman. Um All of them are part of the famous Geelong-Hawthorne rivalry. Oh, there you go. Uh, Three of them are cats and one's a a hawk.
1: Wow, the cats. So, who's down there for them? Tom Stewart, he he probably racked up a few. Um, Wouldn't have been Harry Taylor. Wouldn't have been Mark O'Connor. Not Lockie Henderson.
0: Mark Mark O'Connor and Lockie Henderson.
1: Oh, there you go. I oh, I thought you know given their uh you know their lockies at the end of his career mark still coming up I didn't think they were right well, pushing those stats up but good on him that's that's awesome.
0: Uh, yep and the hawk was James Sicily. Um so interestingly enough Henderson and Stewart both had 14 in the semi-final against Collingwood where it makes sense because oh, it was yeah. slim pickings. Yes,
1: they yeah they would- they didn't have opponents that night and, and racked it up. I'm interested to hear Sicily up there too. I mean, yeah, outstanding player. We didn't get to see enough of him this year.
0: No, no, hurt himself. Now, do you know who kicked the most points in a game? He's not a Ford.
1: No, uh, was it Hugh McCluggage with five? No. Oh, I only know that because Hugh was my uh, one of my good super coach gems and he did have a few games where he kicked a few behinds. Uh, is it someone someone had
0: six six
1: wasn't Lockie Neal yeah yeah Lockie Neal I thought I was thinking Brisbane just because of their their woes in that area they were inaccurate this year yeah Um, yeah six that's a that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot
0: six one would be yeah would have turned it right around now I already told you who had the most clangers for the season but game high clangers
1: Jeez, this is uh, one for the for this unlucky person copying this.
0: Um, there's, there's three of them. I'll, I'll give them to you. I don't know if you get them. Uh, Clayton Oliver. So, yep, that's who. Yeah, that's who probably... Ben Brown will be leading at this year. Uh, James Warple, and the out and out star Sam Walsh.
1: Geez, so I'm I'm thinking there. Th- well, where do you class Sam Walsh? They're those three in and under. Clearance whack it on the boot types. Does that maybe put the put those stats up for them? Well, how many uh, did they have in a game?
0: Ten. What was the... 10. 10. ten? That's a lot.
1: Yeah, that that is a lot. Well, could... <laughs> that, that's, that's got to sting. A I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, considering I'm, Wayne I'm Carey for... went through seasons with
1: five. Yeah, look, that's fair. I, I'm feeling. Yeah, I guess Warpole had okay numbers. Oliver might have climbed into the thirties. Warpole sort of going mid twenties on average I would think so to have a ten in there is probably probably not something but yeah i'm I'm thinking it's the 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 rush kick out but yeah not not a great one for those boys
0: no nah, no nah. and just a little one to finish off most game high uncontested possessions
1: is it someone from Geelong just no. based on what we were talking about before
0: no it's a bomber
1: a bomber uncontested for the bombers it's uh Zach Merritt.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's an outside runner. Loves it. Loves the easy pill on the outside, Zachy.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's see if, uh, yeah, if Rutten can play to uh, Zach's strengths and, and help him out uh, next year. He could really rack up some numbers. But, yeah, yeah that's an interesting one, Un- uncontested.
0: Just a, just a few little 2020 stats <laughs> that I wouldn't have picked when I was reading them. They were sort of some names who, unless you followed them closely, you wouldn't necessarily know. Um. Do you yeah, I'm to... also
1: have have a, a stat about goal goal kicking accuracy that you want to throw at us. So we were talking about this earlier uh, off uh, line. yes, yes, um, and I'm happy for you to run with it if you want to. You uh, please so, take my stat of the week and, and go with this
0: from 1965 onwards. So I assume this is when the behinds were accurately tracked. Best career goal kicking percentage, minimum 50 shots on goal, and this doesn't count out on the full. So it's almost a Rubbish stat, but the most <laughs> nah, accurate it, kick in the competition's history f- with those parameters track history, yeah. Nick Larky from the North Melbourne Football Nick Club. Larky, the Soov. So
1: here you go, uh, Roos fans. There, there's one to take with you. Most accurate player of all time. What, what are his stats? He, he's had more than 40 50 goals, shots,
0: 12 so. behinds.
1: What, and what does that give you? A 76.92%.
0: There
1: you go. All timer, I think our Roo's uh, fan base at listen will, will jump all over that, and yeah, look now we'll have uh, Stevenson at his feet uh, next year. So look, exciting time f- for your Rue boys, uh, Seb.
0: Absolutely, and and just on that list, here's one for the Pies fans: Mason Cox is just ahead of Tony Lockett. So um,
1: yeah, oh well, that's nice to give the Pies fans something they uh, needed at the moment. So uh, <laughs> not suggesting <laughs> nah, nah, he's that, better, but. That, that,
0: uh, Just some interesting things I came across this week. Um, Now we're just gonna we're we're, footy season sort of wound down. We've got the draft in about three weeks, Um, so we'll do a little draft special. And I think Tom, you're going to give us a little phantom draft, yeah? Mock draft, if you will. Mock Um, draft,
1: phantom draft.
0: We're going to run through some. We've got a how to fix the AFL podcast, which I'm looking forward to that. No Love ideas for you to send are off your suggestions the table, that in one. like yep. absolutely anything. Like sending, yep. sending us a...
1: back at gmail dot com for
0: that one. For those That's that the one. Uh, don't know, send it. Through. That's the one <laughs> on Twitter. Hit us up. Sending a team to Darwin, um, expanding to New Zealand. Like absolutely everything's on the table. Yeah, it's all everything's out. on big, the table, big and small. Um, I've already declared that Brownlee should be taken off the umpires. Um, yeah, I think that, I've declared a few seen, yeah. things in my time here. Um,
1: Bring it all onto the table. We're we're going to look at it all,
0: and we're sort of backtracking a little. We had the All Australian team announced, and there's always outrage as to how they do it. And they do this stupid squad of forty, and then they they narrow it down to the best twenty two. But it's not a football side, but it is, and and there's so much conjecture. Well, we're going to tell you, we're not just going to pick an All Australian side. We're going to pick. The AFL all decade team from the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, but we're going to go through and draft an actual team. So I'm just going to use the 90s as an example. And being a North Melbourne supporter, none of what I'm about to say should come as a surprise. But we're going to have two key forwards, two small forwards, two half forwards, and by direct contrast, two key defenders, two half backers, two small defenders. Um, three of them, what do I have? Four. Three on-ballers, two wingers, a ruckman, then you've got your interchange. Um, we'll throw a coach in there too, and we're going to debate back and yeah. forth. So suggestions for each era, each decade, please send them in. But the way we're going to do it is not just one season out of the box or the best stats over the 10 years. We're going to look at it as sort of together. And so for the 90s, I'm going to be dominating Wayne Carey as one of the key four positions. And I'll fight you, Tom, if you really think there's two better. Like... Look, if you, I don't if think you come I'd to love... me and go, oh yeah, yeah, Stewie Lowe and Fraser Gehrig, they were they were up there, and and even Tony Lockett, Saints years, um, but but to be more specific, I'm not just going to say Wayne Carey. I'm going to say Wayne Carey in '96, or I might say yeah. Wayne Carey in '98 because he was just that damn good in both of those years. You
1: did look up his Klanger stats, so you do know that. But, yeah, look, and I'll go the same thing. I'll, I'll be looking at, you know, a, is it a Robert Harvey and his 97 Brownlow or his 98 Brownlow? And we'll whittle it down until we've got the teams for these decades, and you can set your watch to them, I think. I think it's going to be yeah. a fair fair call, great teams. Um, and, yeah, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. So we've got, we've got plenty to get through there. Uh, and, yeah, we want your thoughts. So send it through Twitter, Gmail, uh, Instagram, whatever you use, send it on through.
0: Absolutely. We uh will take all submissions. Um we want an even spread of clubs, both Victorian and a non-Victorian. Um but like I said, key forward for the 90s is filled with one. I think I'm going to go Wayne Carey 98, Tom. You've 80 goals to 98. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to 98, 80 goals, 193 marks. Um do you know he had 19 rebound 50s that year? And 113 inside fifties, only yeah, 16 so clangers. That's less than a clanger a game. He played 25 <laughs> games.
1: This is some of the excellent work that you're going to get in these these podcasts. I already want to start doing them. So we're we're going to get cracking uh, and and get into them, and and that'll that'll form our uh, I guess you could call it a summer series of sorts, Seb.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll go through each one, um, and then we might do an all AFL era team at the end of it to just sort of put it all together. Um, But we will keep some footy content coming through the summer of cricket um, just to keep you in tune. And then things will heat up pretty quickly, I think, in the new year. Um, There'll be a fixture dropping at some point as well, um, which we'll obviously analyse. And and for those who like a little flutter, we'll be able to tell you exactly exactly roughly (laughs) how many games teams are going to win. All that to look forward to. Any final words for your viewers, Tom?
1: No, it's a fantastic schedule coming up so you've stuck with us all year and we've got plenty-